0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, it's Andy Bueller, high school sports reporter and host of the Scorebook Live Today podcast. So the coronavirus has shut down schools and halted high school sports, but we're taking things up a notch in hopes to help during this time of great uncertainty. Each day, we're releasing a special episode of this podcast called Dickow's Quarantine Series, where our own Dan Dickow interviews an expert in their respective field, from coaches to trainers, authors to uh, former standout athletes. Subscribe to this podcast for free, and please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Let's keep everyone safe by washing your hands and following the Governor's stay-at-home mandate. We're just as excited for high school sports to return as you are. Here's Dan Dickow after a word from our sponsor. Are you a small business impacted by the coronavirus? Washington Federal is here to help. Washington Federal is a proud sponsor of Scorebook Live and it's offering a five-year business line of credit with 90 days interest for free to businesses that have seen a 10% or greater drop. Apply now to receive up to $200,000 on business lines of credit. The folks at Washington Federal understand small businesses may need an emergency loan. They're doing their best to help during this global pandemic. If you're a small business owner who needs help, head to wafdbank.com to apply. Questions? Email business.lifeline at wafd.com.
1: Out Scorebook Live Washington with today's podcast during our quarantine series uh, where we're bringing you experts from different fields, people that are uh, connected to the state of Washington, whether it's through high school, college, or even professional sports. Um, Today's guest, somebody that I've known since high school when he was uh, getting his feet wet in the coaching ranks, um, has become a tremendous asset in every NBA organization that he's been a part of. He's also got high school and college coaching experience in the Northwest. Chad Force here. Chad, thanks for joining us today. How's everything going back in Milwaukee with the NBA shutdown? It's going well, Dan.
2: Thanks for having me, and thanks for obviously a, a complimentary and flattering, you know, introduction there. I don't deserve that, but uh, you know, yeah, just sitting here at the house like you are, and uh, I guess we're all living the same life right now.
1: Well, you mentioned the the flattering intro. It, it it's absolutely true because I remember the first time that we were in a gym together. I would have been a high school kid. Uh, this was on an AAU team with a practice, and Coach Scott Didrickson would have been running the practice. And um, I believe and we can check timelines later. It was probably when you were kind of interning with the Seattle Supersonics while you were a student at Seattle Pacific is your attention to detail and talking to us about spacing and how to use screens and come off screens uh, was something that I hadn't been taught yet at the time. And it's something that when I coach my son's group and put other kids through workouts, it's things that I try to focus in on and, and, and try to teach the way that you did. Um, so I could tell from a young age that you loved coaching and that was your passion. How did that come about?
2: You know... It's funny you bring that story up because it, you know, gosh, we have known each other a long time. And um, you know, I just want to tell you how much of an admirer I've been of you, you know, your whole career from that age on. You know, just admiring obviously just who you were as a human being first and your talent, your work ethic, uh, your coachability. It's just it's been great to just know you this long and have been able to watch, you know, your incredible career going back to that young age. But um, you know, to answer your question, Dan, um, I just love basketball, you know, and, you know, I, I joke, but I'm actually kind of serious. You, you know, I got into coaching cause my playing talent ran out, you know, too early. And so, you know, earlier than I wanted it to. And that's pretty much what anyone does when you get into coaching, right. Is, you know, eventually your, your talent runs out, um, at some point in life. And like I said, mine went out early, but I love the game. And, um, and, you know, just knew that that was going to be my avenue to stay in the game. And so I knew before I graduated from high school that at some point I wanted to be a coach. And, you know, at that point in time, my mind was completely on wanting to be a high school basketball coach.
1: Well, you were a high school basketball coach before you moved into the college and ultimately the pro ranks. And you coached one of the Uh, the really good high school basketball players to ever come out of the state um, in Donald Watts at Lake Washington. Uh, I believe John Pillares was the head coach and and you were uh, the head JV coach and assistant. Uh, Tell me a little bit about the Donald Watts era at Lake Washington and and just how dominant he was. Because I remember as a a couple years younger watching him at the state tournament and being blown away. And then I did have a, a chance to be teammates with him at the University of Washington, but he was so good.
2: Yeah, he was. And, uh, you know, it's great. Donald's another, another person I've been able to keep a relationship with all these years. We still stay in touch and it was just a real privilege to be able to coach him. We had a really talented team. I, I, I was at Lake Washington high school in Kirkland, Washington for three years. Um, and you're right, it was with John Pilarz. And, um, you know, that first year that I, that I coached there, which was John's first year. He had just moved up from, from Los Angeles. Um, you know, we were lucky enough to have Donald in his senior year. He had a couple of other teammates that ended up being Division One players. So um, we accomplished some historical things, um, you know, really because of being able to, to be blessed with coaching talented players, most of all Donald. Uh, but he was spectacular. And, um, you know, the King Cove Conference at that point in time uh, was loaded up. And, um, you know, Mercer Allen was always a powerhouse, like, like always. And, and uh, you know, we had some great battles there against those teams with Coach Peppel and Tarek Brown, Freddie Brown Jr.'s, you know, son Tarek was, was a senior. And obviously he and Donald grew up as, as like best friends. And so uh, those are some really special years. And Donald was exceptional. Um, you know, he was obviously an outstanding high school player.
1: So a lot of high school coaches have the thought or the the, the the idea that, hey, what would it like be like to become a college coach or not knowing how to maybe make that jump uh, or, or find a way to get that opportunity? Uh, you went from uh, Lake Washington and had some experience at the college level. Now, I believe it was both Oregon State and University of Portland. Um, was that something you were searching out or was it just based off of Uh, developing uh, a network of relationships and an opportunity came about.
2: Yeah. um, That's what, you know, like I said, I wanted to be a high school coach and, you know, I wanted to have a career doing that. It's the only thing that had been in my mind. uh, just, because my, my view of the world or my awareness of, um, you know, other opportunities, my mind had never been expanded like that. And when I was working with the Sonics, you know, as an intern, um, it became, you know, apparent to me from the coaches that I was, you know, learning from in, in Seattle, um, you know, that I could get into the college business, and so um, that became something that that immediately intrigued me because I wanted to have a career in basketball that I could support a family on. <clears throat> I really didn't want to be a high school teacher, and at that point in time. Pretty much, one had to go with the other. If you wanted to be a high school coach, in most cases, you had to be a teacher at the school. And you know, in my time, anyway, I know a lot. A lot of things have changed, and I just kind of felt like I would be cheating, you know, teaching if I was really just kind of there waiting to get to the gym in the afternoon, and you know, and be a and be a high school basketball coach. Um, And I knew that getting into the college game, you know, could be an avenue where I could make a full time living, you know, just actually doing that. So. I was fortunate to get introduced um, to a handful of college coaches in my time, you know, with with the Sonics and and, um, you know, the story is obviously more complicated than that. But it was through meeting some people and, and being able to form some relationships um, where I got a lucky break and got hired at Oregon State um, when I was there you know, working for Eddie Payne.
1: You know, there's a lot of high school student athletes that uh, listen to this podcast, as well as coaches and parents. But for for a high school athlete who maybe is in a position like you were back in in your high school days, that you wanted to get into coaching, what would your recommendation be to um, grow their network, to build their resume, to to stand out from others?
2: As a in terms of trying to get into coaching, or are you talking about playing stuff, down?
1: Uh Coaching, as far as coaching.
2: Yeah, I mean. The, the first thing is how you're going to find your ways to build relationships with people because you've got to, you know, you've got to have a network, you've got to have contacts and have some, some people um, really feel like they know you, you know, and then of course that's got to sync up with, with opportunities so that there's that timing piece also. Um, but final ways in whatever your, your, you know, your atmosphere is to build those relationships. Um, you know, one of the ways is is, of course, going to work in camps, you know, and trying to get to know some people when you're working a camp. Um, there's a lot of high school coaches, obviously, that, that um, you know, take their team to team camps. And obviously, high school players, if they want to get into that, you know, can use that point in time. It doesn't matter what your age is or where you are on the spectrum of, of life or your ambition. Um, you've got to be always just find ways to get, you know, to get known and uh and to meet people so you could start doing that when you're in tenth grade, you know, as a player, if you know you want to move it, you know, in that kind of a direction. But these days also, um, you know, with all the different social media avenues and um, you know, there's just so many other ways to try to reach people, you know, uh in terms of trying to make a contact. It's not always necessarily easy. Um, but I think if you're if you're persistent and if you get you know creative um, you have a chance to, to build your network
1: you know not just talking to you but some of the other people that we've had in this series it, it all it keeps coming back to building relationships and uh, making people kind of know who you are and then staying in touch with them so that if the time's right and there's an opportunity you already have a relationship that might lead to something for you. Um, that can be said for any industry, but in coaching, I think that's even more important. Um, you know, how would you then describe your transition from college to the NBA? Because there's one jump with a network from high school to college, but then there's got to be, I can only imagine another jump from college to the NBA. How did that come about?
2: Yeah. You know, um, so obviously starting, you know, in an intern type of capacity with the Sonics, I, you know, ended up spending five years with them before I left for the Oregon state job. And, uh, and then the, the college, you know, years were, was a four year window, three years at Oregon state, one year at university of Portland, as you mentioned. Um, but it was really interesting because once again, you know, the the thing that really helped me was my mentor, Tim Gergerich, you know, Gerg real well. And um, you know, at so many different uh, critical moments in my career, Dan, uh, Coach Gurb has helped me a lot just in terms of not only just recommending me somewhere, but helping me get to know people. So something that was a, a big deal for me when I talk about working camps, um, every summer when I was coaching at Oregon State, uh, obviously the legendary Pete Newell, you know, rest his soul, had his big man camp for years and years. And, um, in that window in time, it was always down in Honolulu and the way he ran his camp, there usually ended up being, I don't know, maybe about 30 players. Most of which were NBA big guys. Um, there will also be an occasional, you know, college, you know, big guys going down there too. And coach Newell only had, I think five, maybe six, teaching coaches on the staff and coach gerg was one of them rick carlisle was another i could go down you know the list but those are a couple names and coach gerg invited me actually coach newell invited me through you know getting to know him with coach gerg invited me to come work at the camp they like considered one of the um you know, A-list teachers like the, the five guys I mentioned. But what he had me do is he'd give me a side basket that I was in charge of. And instead of a player who was trying to learn something with his footwork, whatever we were working on, having to stop and slow everything down, we did a lot of line drills. If you didn't get it right away, you jumped out of line, came over to me at my side basket, took a minute, took 30 seconds, whatever it was, worked on it once or twice, and went back to the group. So I'd run the side basket and did all the teaching just to help a guy pick it up in an environment where he wasn't slowing people down. So um, anyway, I got to know Rick Carlisle during those summers because, like I said, he was one of the the permanent coaches there. And uh, when he got hired to be the head coach of the Detroit Pistons, which was his rookie head coaching job, and he was trying to build his staff, I got a phone call, and he asked me if I wanted to be one of his assistant coaches. Um, and so again, it, it turned out to be a camp environment for me, uh, in terms of, um, you know, building the relationships and get observed for, um, you know, how I did work in the gym, the energy I brought, uh, you know, how I communicated, you know, if I could teach or not. And he got to know me over, you know, over the course of what I think it was probably three different summers in that atmosphere.
1: That's, that's awesome. I, I had no idea that's how your connection to Coach Carlisle came about um, through Coach Gerg, who is, you know, I've worked with a lot of player development coaches over the year, and he, he's as good as they get. Um, your time in the NBA, you've been associated with some really good high, uh, coaches, coaches that uh, if they're not in the Hall of Fame now, they will be shortly, and that's George Carl, Rick Carlisle, and Greg Popovich. For, for a high school coach who may be listening to this, Um, what separates a great coach from a good coach?
2: Yeah, that's such a great question, Dan, and we could probably do a whole podcast just on this topic, but to try to be concise, um, just a couple of simple thoughts that come to my mind. Um, You know, the ability to communicate and connect with players in in a way where they know um, you know how much you care, and they know, um, you know that you're really genuinely interested in them. You know, not just winning and losing, not just if they're a good or a bad basketball player. Uh, you know, you care about the human. You care about their life away from the court. Of course, you care about how they are. You know, on the court too. But but being able to reach players with that level of authenticity and that type of communication um you know is a is a major deal is a major separator in, in my opinion um you know uh, i think that's just the most the most critical thing in terms of how, how you get it done is i don't know if it goes much beyond that because if you don't have that you can be really knowledgeable um, and players can respect your knowledge of the game or your ability to teach it. But I don't think you get to that great level, you know, without the piece that I, you know, that I mentioned. Um, I think the other one too is coaches being true to themselves. You know, actually really staying within the, the truth of your own personality and not trying to be um, someone that you're not, not trying to be someone that, you admire, whether you admire, uh, you know, coach Popovich or you admire coach K or whoever it would be someone maybe that you've worked for before, uh, you know, you have to be you. And if you try to, to, uh, you know, make the mis- if you make the mistake of getting outside of yourself and trying to, you know, act or coach or do it in a way that's not true to your nature and your personality, um, you know, that'll, that'll hold you back as well
1: some great points uh, for sure for any coaches out there listening uh, and and I've had good coaches, I've had great coaches and I've unfortunately been around some bad coaches and and yes, those the great coaches uh, exemplify some of those characteristics that you just talked about. Um, you know, Dan, I want
2: to jump in. I I don't yeah. you know, I know this isn't probably the way you run your podcast, yeah. but I at some point whether this is the time or not, I would love to hear from you. Uh, You know, with your storied career and your great experiences as a player on all levels, I'd love to hear you answer that question.
1: You know, I I think uh, for me, Coach Few was phenomenal for me because he he set an example or he he put forth an example of what he wanted from his point guard. And it, it might differ in a few things from year to year, player to player. But the biggest thing he ever said to me was, I don't care how many points you score. I don't care how many assists you have. I don't care how many turnovers you have. You're my point guard. What it comes down to is did we win or did we lose? And a point guard is a player who puts their team in a position to win or lose. Um, So I think that was one that that stuck with me kind of, you know, in my formative years as a player in college. I I think the one in the pros that stuck with me the most, and I didn't have great success under him, uh, partly because – Uh, I got hurt, Um, was my fourth year in the the NBA with Doc Rivers. Um, I I did not have a great training camp. Um, So I was the third point guard with the, the start of the regular season. And, you know, I would always go into a coach's office to have a meeting like, hey, I'm not playing. I'm not part of the rotation. Please tell me where I need to be to, to, to earn some minutes. I know you're not just going to give them to me, but what do I need to do in practice to show you? Or what do I need to do in a game to make sure I get my chance? I make the most of it. And and doc rivers, I'll never forget this said uh, when, when I tried to ask, he said, you know, you didn't have a great preseason. So he was honest with me. But then what he said next was, I will take a lot of the blame for that because what you were good at was pick and roll plays. I didn't run enough pick and rolls for you in the preseason, whether it was games or, or practices to get a good enough feel for where, what I needed to do with you as a player. And so as a player, I could have gone into that meeting and heard one thing and left the meeting and been really ticked off and kind of had some animosity towards them. Instead, I was like, okay, you know what? He was very honest with me. He gave me a great answer. And he also and he didn't have to, he took some of the blame for it as well. So at that moment, I believed in Coach Doc Rivers' message. Um, I, I never I, – I did earn some minutes before I, I got injured for the rest of the year, um, but it was never something where if I wasn't playing, I was ticked off at him. Uh, it was more of, well, tonight wasn't my night. I need to be ready for my next opportunity. So I think those were two, two messages to answer your question.
2: I love that because I, I left that off my list, and I agree totally. Um, you know, when you asked about my experiences and my thoughts on that, honesty uh, is an absolute, um, you know, difference maker. And that's a, it's, it's what separates good and great at the coaching level. Um, you know, being able to, to tell the truth, even if it isn't easy or doesn't, um, you know, isn't comfortable to do it all the time. But telling the truth, not BSing players. Uh, You know, is a huge deal. Um, You know, and also being able to share responsibility. You know, you know, you're not you're not the hero just because the team won, and it's the player's fault when the team loses, right? You share responsibility. So uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly.
1: The last question before I let you go, um, even though we unfortunately both don't have a full schedule this afternoon of things to do, but um, you're a part of the Milwaukee Bucks coaching staff right now, and um, you're able to see one of the greatest players in the world right now on a day-in, day-out basis, and that's Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, what separates somebody like that from other guys where when he came into the league, he was, he was a relative unknown. There were a lot of question marks on his game. Um, people were thinking he was just going to be an athlete run up and down the floor, and now he's one of the most skilled players. What is the message that you can share with someone when you see him work every single day?
2: Yeah, you know, it's a, it's such a privilege to be able to coach him, Dan. I'm glad you mentioned him. Um, but I'd be remiss if I don't throw a couple other names out there that I've been really lucky to coach where I see, you know, some some very, you know, meaningful similarities. You know, I got to start off with the Sonics with Gary Payton, who's in the Hall of Fame. You know, I got to coach Reggie Miller in Indiana, who's in the Hall of Fame. Um, of course, Tim Duncan. You know, Mono Ginobili, obviously Tim's going in the Hall of Fame. Mono Ginobili, Tony Parker, obviously some great players in San Antonio with the Spurs. Um, and it's amazing to see, again, here's Giannis. He's still a young player. I think he's maybe in his fifth or sixth year this year. I've lost count. I don't think he's, you know, 30 years old yet. And you look at those other guys that I mentioned and the competitive motor, the competitive spirit is just relentless you know the work ethic um you know just the attention to detail the commitment to the craft to mastering the craft the appetite to want to master the craft um and and the work that goes into that you know what it's like you know and um and i see that and he's got it he's got a competitive spirit that can't be conquered uh, he's got a work ethic. You have to protect him from himself. You know, there's times we got to actually kick him out of the gym or tell him he can't come to the gym on a given day. Um, he's just so, uh, you know, just so focused, um, you know, and just relentless in his pursuit of trying to become an all time great. And, uh, you know, those were the same type of characteristics of guys that I mentioned. I mean, Tim Duncan, I got to spend nine years with him and to come in and, and, you know, just watch how he did it. And he'd been doing it for so long before I got to be on his sideline. Uh, you know, Reggie Miller, I mean, they all had those kind of characteristics.
1: Those characteristics are, are true of anybody that has success in, in any industry and in any position in, uh, you know, Chad, I appreciate your time. Uh, thank you for joining the Scoville Live Washington Today podcast. Uh, it's always great to to reconnect. And unfortunately, since I'm no longer uh, in the NBA setting, playing or coaching, I, I haven't seen you in quite some while, quite some time. So I appreciate uh, reconnecting, getting to talk to you. And uh, again, thanks for joining today.
2: Thanks for having me, Dan. I appreciate it. It was a privilege. <laughs>